Hey everyone, welcome to the first full episode of Stand By Go, a podcast from Asheville, North Carolina, dealing with all things theater. I'm happy to have my first guest with me today. He's a good friend of mine, actor Dylan Giles. How are you doing today, Dylan? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, John? I am also fantastic, uh, which is a hilarious word that you use that we will get to later. Uh, we will get to as we go. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. Uh, I, I was just telling Dylan that this is the first one, which means that we may have uh, some issues, either technically or I just have no idea what to say. So please, Dylan, uh, be nice to me, and all you listeners also be nice uh, to me. I am actually sitting in Dylan's room right now in Asheville, um, and there are how many VHS tapes are in your room right now? Uh, 1,500 plus. I don't know the actual number anymore because I've bought... 30, 40, 50 more. 1,500 plus VHSs, and they're sitting on very nice custom-made shelving units that you made. Um, And we are also surrounded by a bunch of theater posters. Uh, So are these all posters of shows that you've been in? Yes, they are. They are every show that I have in here is a show that I've been in from Florida to here as well, all the way from high school up until... Uh, the last show I did, which was Wizard of Oz, and they—I uh, actually have a couple shows that I don't even have here because I didn't get a poster from them. Nice. And are there any for the folks who aren't in here looking? Any repeat posters from repeat shows that you've done? There are actually. I've done Wizard of Oz twice, so I have the the one that I did here at Asheville Community Theater. I also did it at the Henniger Center in Melbourne, Florida. Both times I was the Scarecrow. And then I also have done West Side Story twice. The first time coming out of middle school, going into high school as an ensemble dancer and guitar. And then <laughs> I did it in uh, right out of high school, probably two or three years after high school. I did. Uh, I was Tony at the Cocoa Village Playhouse down in Cocoa Village, Florida. Very nice. So we've heard you say uh, that uh, you lived in Florida. Can you give us a little bit of your story, not necessarily theater story. We'll get to that in a minute, but just like your story of like where you were born and raised and how you got to Asheville. Yeah, of course. I, uh, born and raised in Merritt Island, Florida. For those of you listening, that's, that's real close to Orlando, about 45 minutes to an hour Southeast of it. So it's a nice little town right next to Kennedy space center where they launched the shuttles, lived there my whole life, went to, you know, went to school there and then I graduated and my parents moved up here because Asheville, North Carolina is where we always vacationed. Mm-hmm. We vacationed here my whole life. Every year we'd go camping or glamping or we'd come up and just do, you know, see the leaves or come see snow. And then uh, after I was in Florida for a little while, I was just needed to change the scene. And my parents were like, have been trying to get me and the rest of my siblings to come up here for basically since they moved up. So I finally moved up. And then my sister moved up just this past year as well. So they have... Three of the five kids here now. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so I've heard you talk to me a little bit about your high school and your high school theater, um, and it made me super jealous. So why don't you tell everybody who's listening a little bit about your high school theater? Okay. Well, my high school theater was the Merritt Island High School Theater. It was the Merritt Island Performing Arts Center. We were actually the biggest theater in the area as far as at, um, our auditorium. I think it seats between 700 and 800 people. Huge stage, probably twice the size of most stages in this whole area or even down in Florida. The rest of them weren't that big. Had, you know, a 20, 30 rail fly system, 
state-of-the-art sound system. They had a whole tech crew that was part. It was a class at the school that ran it. And so we did, you know, crazy stuff all the time. We did, we, when we did Beauty and the Beast, we had a flying company come in to make the Beast fly at the end. We had crash mats for falling off the backstage. We had a hologram rose that slowly dropped petals as the show went on. And didn't you have uh, champagne bottles that went off during Be Our Guest? We did. We had champagne uh, fireworks essentially spray out of these giant styrofoam hand-carved bottles that had Beauty and the Beast carved in French on them. That came down from the ceiling. I was I was Lumiere in that play, and it was at the end of uh, at the end of Be Our Guest. They came down from the ceiling while we were doing our big kick line, and I hit the big final note, and boom, from the sides. It was. Great. They were they were a fan of pyrotechnics over at that theater. We did Peter Pan and had fire pots go off for when the Indians came in and real sword play. Did a flying company for that one as well. We went pretty all out on most of our shows, even our straight shows like Noises Off. We had a two story set on a revolve that that turned all the way around so that you could do the second act with the backstage view that you're supposed to do. Oh wow. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. Um so we've heard about your journey starting in Florida and then coming back and coming up to Asheville. Tell, now tell us about your, um, your theater journey. How did you get started? I don't even think that's something I know. Um, you and I have done two shows together now. Um, the first one was a year ago. Uh, and that was your Asheville debut, right? In Footloose at Asheville community theater. Uh, it was also, I had done something in 35 below, but that was my first main stage show. And then we did both did wizard of Oz, uh, where you were the scarecrow and I was the lion. I was just telling somebody today that um, I, if somebody asked me if you could do one show every weekend for the rest of the lot, uh, the rest of your life, what would it be? And I think, I think mine would have to and like role, not just show. Oh, that's. I think one. it would have to be the cowardly lion. I could play the cowardly lion every weekend for the rest of my life. Oh, I feel that. That's you know, in that situation, I, I'd either have to go Tony West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Or Quasimodo in Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's another one that I really, really want to do. Oh, it's I want an to be amazing in it, show. But I also kind of just want to not just, but I kind of want to stage manage that. Like the amount of beast. work, yeah, the amount of work that that would be. Um, for anybody who hasn't listened to Hunch, the Hunchback music, you need to go do it. Oh um, yeah, it's a lot darker version of the show, but it's very well done, and so right. it has a couple, you know, Disney-fied moments like Topsy Turvy Day mm-hmm. and all that. They have. This classic Disney moments you need, but then also some other new songs that are fantastic. Made of Stone mm-hmm. is a great one. And then, of course, you have like Hellfire and just some real good classics in there. But if you like like choral music, if you're mm-hmm. a fan of like church choral music, you will absolutely love Hunchback because it's got a big organ mm-hmm. and it has a, an entire choir. I had a friend who did it in uh, South Carolina and Georgia. Um and she was part of the choir, and so yeah. Even yeah, that's go, a blast. Just go listen to that music if you haven't listened to that show yet. Um, so I got off topic. So go ahead and tell us about your uh, your theater journey, how you got started, and how you got to where you are now. Wow. Um, well, the actually the first show I ever did was in kindergarten. I played the ringmaster of the ABC Circus. Nice. Uh, I was the only person in the whole show that had lines. I had a little top hat and this cape. And I sat there on the edge of the stage and was like, A is for amazing acrobats. And then we had kids come out and do an acrobat thing, and B is balancing bears and stuff like that. And it was just fun. That was my first time ever really doing theater. And then I, a couple years later, I ended up doing like a Charlie Brown Christmas at my church. Um, 
yeah, and it was it was that was probably my first two experiences, and then I did a couple shows with like my chorus in like er, late elementary school, fifth and sixth grade, and then I took a break and I started doing theater again at the end of eighth grade. I was Aladdin in Aladdin Junior, and Toy Boten in high school non musical, which is a farce play right. on High School Musical, and it's right. it's terribly terribly wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> And then I pretty much have gone since then. I haven't stopped. In high school, I did most years we did three shows. So I did two or three shows a year in high school for every year. And then I came out of high school and I think I took a couple months of break. And then I started doing community theater. And I did that for a couple years, started getting more lead roles. I had a lot of lead roles when I was in high school. And then I came out and had to like get into the scene in community theater. And no one really knew me or what I could do. So I started out with like some little ensemble roles, and then I think my first one that I got that was bigger was Perchick in Fiddler on the Roof, which I believe you also were. Yes, yes. Uh, good little connection. In fact, we uh, we talked about in our dressing room a lot in Footloose that there were four or five people in that show who had all played Perchick. Uh, it was like you, me, Adam. Um, I think Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, and maybe there was one more, so we had either four or five people who have all played Perchick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good role. And then um, I guess after that, I, I started getting more, and then I got Tony and Westside, and that really spurred me, I guess, into thinking, you really can do this, because I've wanted to do this for most of my life. You know, Everyone goes through the phase, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a, a crime investigator, I want to be a forensic, and I just, I always wanted to be an actor. I also didn't know how to sing until probably like, eighth grade and I had to teach myself. I never had any training. I just, I thought I could sing. I performed at my church. My parents were like, you're so good. Then like three years later, I actually learned how to sing and was able to do it. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. You were terrible. <laughs> and I was like, what? No one told me. The like, people at oh, church told brutal. you that you were terrible? after Because <laughs> what they typically do is, I see, anytime I perform at church, this is my, which I haven't done in a long time, um, but I always like, I always feel like when a lot of people come up and tell me mm-hmm. I did a really good job that I really did it. Because yeah, like it's the almost more fake. people who do it yeah. are like, you did so great. So great. Oh, it's amazing. Right? And you're I'm like, sure I don't feel good about a, this But there's anymore. always like that handful of people that like will tell you the truth. So mm-hmm. if they tell you that you did good, you're like, okay, okay I did, I did, I did well. fine. Yeah, but so, if the lady who always sits on the third pew on the left tells you, you're, you the more she's like, you did great. Yeah, uh-oh, Probably uh-oh, the worse you did. What I mess up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then, so um, I'm going to touch back on that, how you taught yourself, you taught yourself to sing, which is much. crazy because I've been listening to you sing for the last year and you're fantastic. Thank you. Thank um, you. you have this beautiful like tenor voice, oh, um, d- but did you learn how to like engage your diaphragm uh, to, did you learn that or somebody have to tell you that? I actually, so when I was going into high school, I, I in middle school, I did a little bit of chorus and when I did that, that's where I kind of more honed in on what I was able to do and that I had a decent voice because my teacher was like, oh, you're fantastic. Wait, wait, you got to sing more and like give me little solos and things like that. And they had a private audition only class at my high school. It was called Island Singers. And it was the mixed ensemble group of the most advanced. It was the highest level you can get. And they only took in one freshman male a year. Wow. And so I went and auditioned and I got in in my first year and I stayed in there for four years. But I kind of already came in knowing, not really knowing that I knew what I was doing, but I did know what I was doing. Like I, I would do my diaphragm. I just didn't know that's what was happening. Right. 
And I actually, one of the things they were surprised in, and I still kind of have this, it's gone away over the years, not quite as clean as it used to be, but I, it's really hard to find my flip. If right. I go up through into my falsetto, if I'm like just doing scales up, most people can't truly tell where my flip is. They mm. give it like a four note range and they're like, somewhere in there you switch because now it sounds different, but there's, it's hard to pinpoint, which was just a cool thing that they pointed out to me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a, a cool yeah, trick. A so I just kind of, once I got in there, that my only training I had was just chorus class. She would work with the whole group and be like, you need to do this and do this. And I had an amazing chorus teacher, Deborah Davis. She came out of FSU and they put out wonderful chorus teachers. So really she, along with Janora Dupre, who was my high school drama teacher, they really gave me the courage and encouragement that I needed to just pursue it and really tell me, like, you have the skills and you have the talent. Just focus on it and work on it. And then you'll get where you want to go. Yeah. Do you think that going back to the choral, um, being in a choir, do you think that really helped you in what you're doing now with like musical theater, just being in a choral class every day? Yeah. You're not getting a ton of like solo stuff, but you're learning how to sing with an ensemble and blend and, and just get all of that from people who are older and and a great teacher. I, I do think that was really important because I have a general, I still can't really, like, I can't go sit down and play a piano. I could if I go real slow, but I'm not great at that. But chorus gave me the ability to sight read very, very well. So now as soon as someone starts a song, if they're like, it starts here, I can usually figure it out from there with them playing. Or if I listen to a song once or twice, I can usually then look at the music and I connect the dots in my head to how it's supposed to sound or what it looks like on the paper. And so my sight reading ability really came from chorus. And that's a really important thing you need when you're doing musical theater. Yeah, I agree. I did a lot of chorus, not in high school. Um, my high school didn't have a chorus program until like my junior year. And then and then at that point, I, I was an orchestra kid. So um, I played bass all the way from sixth grade all, th- all the way through 12. And uh, we were the best orchestra in the county. And, um, and so that was my main focus. I wish I would have done more choral stuff, but I did sing at my church. So like I had some choral aspects and, uh, and that director, Jason Britt was really great. Um, and he, he gave me some solos and stuff, but just, just the fact that I sang twice a week, just Wednesday practice, Sunday morning, um, because singing is, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you don't use you it, it, you lose better. it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so where were we on your journey? You did uh, high school theater, the great high, high school. school theater, community theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you came, when you moved up to Asheville, how long were you here before you auditioned for your first show? So when I moved up here, I wanted to audition immediately. And I believe I did almost, almost like two or three months after I moved up here. I just needed to, you know, figure out, get a job and get my life moved up here and really situated and feel comfortable before I started, you know, trying to be in the community. And I did that. And I auditioned actually for Snowbound. Okay. Which was an original show. the first show, one or the second one? The first one, actually. Okay. I believe. Mm, it was the one, the one right, that they Was it the one right before Footloose? No, I think it was the one before that. Because Full Monty was right before Footloose, right? couple months before because I auditioned I was going to audition for that but couldn't uh, when I first moved up here I joined a lot of acapella so, groups so yeah it was the se- it was the se- so it was Full Monty 
because that was the last show of that season. Okay. And then they did Avenue Q, yes. and then Snowbound, and then Footloose. Okay. I also yep. auditioned for Avenue Q. But at the time when I first moved here, before I got into theater, because I wasn't sure where to go and which theaters, I wanted to do a bunch of research. But I knew that I wanted to sing. Um, I've been doing acapella music since my freshman year in high school as a tenor and barabass. And then in my senior year, I learned how to beatbox. And I have been beatboxing ever since. I started a group in Florida, too, called Fermata Stars out of our out of the theater program, actually. It was mainly for children. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have anyone that could do bass or beatboxing. So I just stood in and subbed in for some of that, just helping out. But uh, when I got up here, I joined a group called Shaboom, mm-hmm. which was a doo-wop a cappella group. And then I joined a barbershop choir. And so I was doing all this. So when I went out for these shows, uh, they wanted me. But I literally gave them, I think, two days a week that I was available. Oh, yeah. And they were like, uh, Yeah, we, can't do that. I can't. I don't. <laughs> I've been in those casting rooms. We just and can't do it. Yeah. I know. And I, I, so I got messages like, we'd really like you to come out, but you got to clear your schedule. So then I, I, you know, I finally cleared out and I was like, look, theater is my dream. I love doing all this, you know, acapella music. I love it. And I was still in a group until just recently for another year uh, where I sang everything from alto down to bass. And it was great. It's a great time. But it just... Kind of gets in the way sometimes of theater, and theater is like you know my true passion and dream. So then I, I finally auditioned for Footloose, and when I auditioned for Footloose, I actually had long hair down to my lower back almost, like the middle yeah, of my back, yeah, and a beard down yeah. to the collar of my shirt. And I came in, and Jerry Crouch was the director for that show. And as soon as I came in, he went, "I've heard of you. If you want the role, I think you want." That's all got to go. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. And then ended up uh, ended up going through the process and competing against a couple really great singers to try to get into that role uh, and ended up, ended up getting it uh, across from Ann Lowell and as Ariel and did a, had a great time. Met a lot of the people that I now work, work a lot of theater around here with. And it was kind of a great introduction and a good... You know, a good starting point for getting into the area, especially coming in on your first show being the lead of the show. Right. So it was it was nice. Right. It was good. And then from there, it's just kind of been, I actually got two shows from that show. I was requested to come be in Oliver at Heart and Mamma Mia at Heart. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it ended up, you know, opening some more doors for me. And then I've met a bunch of people and now uh, hoping to see what this next season holds. And now for when us. people say, oh, Dylan Giles, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I know him. Mm-hmm. You've been really busy this last year. I've been very busy. Just show-wise. Just show-wise. I think I ended up doing five or six shows this past year. Yeah. I did. I, I, I pretty much didn't stop. Most of my shows was while I was doing the show, I was rehearsing for the next show that was opening like the weekend after I closed my show. So a lot of overlapping as far as doing the shows went, which is good, though, because that's you know how it is in the real world. So yeah. it's good real-world experience. Absolutely. So we've heard about your entire journey of, of being in theater starting from very young all the way to now. Um, what has been one of or some of your favorite memories of doing theater? It can be like a certain role. Like a lot of people are like, oh, what's been your favorite role? And I'm really wanting to ask, like, what are some memories that you have that just kind of stick out to you? Wow, that's a tough one. There's, I mean, there's so much. There's so many good memories. I will. All right, so I do know back when I was in Florida, I did Big Fish, which is a great show. Love it. And I 
actually at the time had been when hanging out with friends, dabbling in, I bought at a garage sale a couple of little stilts, like little, you know, the, by the time you were standing on them, you're maybe like half a foot, a foot off the ground, and practiced with them. And I ended up auditioning for the role of Carl the Giant and uh, had to be on drywall stilts six feet up in the air for the show and had to dance on them. So the, really, that whole process of learning how to dance on stilts, I had to kick, I had to jump, I had to do, you know, little, little quick steps and, you know, kick, kick ball changes and step ball changes and, you know, all kinds of stuff and spread my legs and let a guy slide through, all kinds of fun stuff. That was a really, really fun experience and, you know, something to throw on the resume of a special skill. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my home theater, uh, the one I grew up in, Cape Regional Theater in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. They have, and forgive me, I forget the name of the company, but they have a company that comes in and takes shows um, that that we know. The last one I think they did was um, Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. and they add circus acrobatics. Very nice. Oh, I don't know awesome. if they did stilts in um, Little Mermaid, but they do like silks mm-hmm. and like the big hoop that goes. Yes, out. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. They did that with that, and they did it with Susical. Ooh, co- oh, that's a good show. Yeah, for that. a company that comes in and takes these, uh, these like typically kids shows and makes mm-hmm. it even more fun to watch because they're adding the circus acrobatic yes, parts to it. So, I like that. So definitely look for that company. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll look it up and, and I'll let you know. And I'll let anybody who's listening uh, know I'll put it on, on my Facebook or something like that. Nice. Um, so yeah, so being on stilts was really mm-hmm. fun. Um, you have I, another one? I for do. Me? Okay. I do. So actually, I was in the show Rent. I was uh-huh. the understudy for Mark, and I played Steve, the guy that sings that, Will I Lose My Dignity? Mm-hmm. And um, we opened that show on the day that they legalized gay marriage in America. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a super, it was just an emotional show, and it was really big, and everyone came out. And it was it was just a really surreal kind of experience that it all just happened to line up. It was such an impactful show in the you know in the gay community. Right. It's a very and doing yeah doing that show yeah, on of that all day. shows rent yeah, yeah it was it was insane. Um, so I know this about you because we've been mm-hmm. we've been friends for about a year, but you are not a full time professional actor that is not what uh pays the bills that is not so what is your and i'm going to use a a term that we like to use in the uh in the business quote unquote the biz (laughs) biz. um, that it's your survival job right it's the job that pays for your bills Mm -hmm. for the apartment so that you can enjoy doing theater Uh, so what is your survival job Uh, my survival job i work at jennings builder supply and hardware as a door machine operator uh, it's me and my boss, and that's it. And I, I build doors for a living. We get door slabs in, and then I hang them on a frame and put hinges on them, and then take them over to a table and build the rest of the frame around them and add on the stop. And um, it's you know at some points it's pretty pretty backbreaking labor. Some of these doors are 150, 175, 200 pounds on the heavy heavy end. You know some of them are you know 30. Right. That's nice, but big old doors, and that's a uh, that's my survival job. I actually work with my father. Right. Wow. Yeah. How's yeah. that? Do you enjoy working with your it's father? It's nice. He, we don't work in the same department, so I pretty much see him in the morning when he gets there, and he actually leads the kitchen installation department, or all the cabinet installation, oh, cool. for that matter. So he usually comes in, gets what he needs, and then adios, and off he goes for the day. Right. And so 
if I remember, that's not a, like a nine to five job. You're usually there like seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right? it's seven to four. Right, seven to four, which works perfectly for I need to get out for theater. Because, you know, then that gives me enough time. Usually I can run home, and if I need to shower, I grab a bite to eat before I get to the theater around, you know, 6 yeah. or 6.30. Because, you know, some of the places like Hart and Sart and Parkway, they're all about 45, 50 minutes away from yeah. where I live yeah. in South Asheville. So, you know, i got to account for the drive time. But usually it gives me enough time to just, you know, if nothing else, just swing home and just relax for just, you know, 10, 15 minutes before i got to get going right back at it again. Right, and rehearsals are tough. Like, especially if you're in a musical and you're, like, mm-hmm. footloose, footloose, uh, you know, choreography rehearsals that I wasn't in uh, because I was an adult. And so I didn't get to dance. Um, <laughs> lucky, lucky, lucky. And so I really wanted to. <laughs> oh, man. I really wanted to. And I think Tina wanted me to as well. Um, but I would come in and watch those rehearsals and I'd be tired just watching. So, like, you work with doors, 150 pound um, doors all day. And then you mm-hmm. go to, you know, a three hour choreography rehearsal. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? How are you able to balance work and, and play, which is also sometimes feels like work. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's really just my passion for it. My, my main goal is to become a professional actor. That's my, where I'm aiming in the direction of, you know, I'm now I'm starting with paid gigs in the area that are on the smaller scale level so you know to build up your resume out of the community theater area so it's not just free performances and actually just get a name and make connections so that I can go to the next level I'm hoping within the next year I'm going to be making some trips to New York and trying to do like cattle call auditions or tour auditions you know also you know really anything really voiceover work and stuff like that I guess just the going to work and doing the job just knowing that it lets me keep doing this, which is all I want to do. It, like, I took a month break between Wizard of Oz and now The Fantastics. And I wanted nothing more than to just be on a stage again the whole time I was there. Like, it's nice to have your nights to yourself and sit at home and relax or hang out with your girlfriend or, like, just be at home. But it's... It's just that something about being on the stage. It's it's an addiction that you just don't want to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I actually did Miracle, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street at Fantastic ACT. Fantastic job, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Right after Wizard of Oz, so we. Um, I auditioned the day after we opened, oh, after opening weekend for Wizard of Oz, and uh, we started rehearsals the next week. And that ran until December 20th. And I haven't really done anything since then. I'm assistant directing Frozen Junior with, like, the Tanglewood Kids Mm -hmm. at ACT. But that meets, like, twice a week. So, like, the last couple weeks have just been, like... You almost get antsy. Yeah, people are like, oh, you have have some downtime. I'm like, yeah, I don't want the downtime. I don't want downtime at Um, all. (laughs) But, like, the other... It's either that. It's either, like, three weeks of two rehearsals a week or Mm -hmm. nothing. Or I'm about to spend 33 straight days at ACT. Yeah. Between doing Tech for Fantastics, um, doing Frozen Junior, and stage managing Little Women. It's going to be 33. It's going to be a straight month. Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, my gosh. But I'm like, no. no that's what I'm I love. excited. Like, I, I love, love the fact that on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll be downstairs. Mm-hmm. Assistant directing rehearsal. And then... It ends at six o'clock, and I just go straight upstairs and start a new rehearsal for nice. Little Women. Um, yeah, it's it's super fun being busy, um, and actors and stage managers, anybody who does anything with theater, it's we want to be busy. Busy mm-hmm. is good for us because when we're not busy, we get antsy and we get crazy. Mm-hmm. Busy means busy means you're doing something right. 
if you if everyone wants you and you're you're keeping busy and keeping doing stuff, it means you know? Yeah, it you're on the right track. It means you're getting gigs. <laughs> you're getting it means gigs. you're getting that's, booked. Hashtag booked, right? Hashtag booked. Hashtag booked. <laughs> um, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that with a lot of my actors and stage management friends. Oh, uh, you good. know, hashtag booked, and that's like that's that. all you want, especially like on my end, stage management. Like mm-hmm. I'm booked out through July 4th right now. Very nice. Um, so beginning of Frozen Junior was January like 12th, 13th, like that. So that's been six months. Six of, months. That's what you want. You want and to be booked out. For six months to a year, if you yeah. can, and we had, and I already have like uh, Shanda with with ACTs. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do next year? It was like, it was like, let <laughs> Sign me find. Me up. Let's do it all. <laughs> I said, let's do it. I, I want to stage manage. I want to be on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to like, I want to do it all. The problem is when you overbook yourself, uh, yes. and you literally yes. have to be two places at once. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets crazy. That's what I've I'm- done. It. I happened during Footloose. I was in a performance, but I was supposed to also be stage managing a rehearsal Ooh. for. Um, for Alice in Wonderland. And it was happening at 35 <laughs> Below. So I actually brought in um, stage managers I know from UNCA to come in and just run that rehearsal for me. But like when I wasn't off stage or during intermission, mm-hmm. I would run downstairs, check in, see how everything's going. Very and go nice. And I'm not like giving anything away. It was on the rehearsal report. So I yeah. wasn't going to be there. there so it was not I'm like people in the office would be like, John, why weren't Guys, up? guys. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah, I always have great stage management friends who always come in and step in. Um, so I'm going to kind of go back to like your survival job and, you know, you work with doors. Do you actually see, um, and if the answer is no, like that's okay. But like, do you, do you see like theater helping you with your job or your job helping you with theater in any type of way? I actually do. So in, in a couple different ways. First off, I've done in the past, back in my high school, I, during the days, especially in my senior year, when I wasn't doing stuff, I would go help with the tech crew. Mm. So like when we did Peter Pan, we built a, Actually, me specifically and my girlfriend at the time built a seven-foot waterfall on top of a six-foot raised platform that fell down into a pond, and we were actually in charge of building that, just us. So you know, that kind of helped give me some beginnings of working with power tools and you know construction measurements and stuff like that. And so my job now uses that. So it helped me that in that way, and now it also helps so when you know someone needs something at, at a show, like when I did Mamma Mia... I, I did rigging mm-hmm. when I was in high school, and that's you know more just being in the tech world and working with tools and stuff and just being around heavy weights. I went and helped Mamma Mia. I helped run the rigging system while I was acting in the show because oh, okay. there were some big changes that needed three or four pulleys going at once, yeah. and there was only one person, so I would help out and do it yeah. with her. So in that way, it helps. Also, in the door shop, I get to be pretty much by myself. My boss goes over in the table, and I work on the machine. So I put in my headphones and I sing all day long. Right. You can hear it echoing out into the into the yard. Everyone's like, "Please make him stop. <laughs> Please for the love of everything make it stop." And it's just me belting out show tunes. So it's like I almost have a constant vocal warm-up I'm doing or right, you know, right. rehearsing or in some ways learning. I'm just finding new shows that I've never listened to and listening to the soundtrack and then, you know, trying to figure out the story from there without even going and reading the story. Like can you develop what's happening just by listening to the songs and just learning all these different ways that shows work and what works in a show and what doesn't and what I enjoy and what I don't so that it you know it helps me decide how I want to further my career and what what shows I want to pursue and what avenues I want to go with you know things like that right and kind of going off of that um, you know you do a ton of you do a ton of shows you know throughout the year how do you go about picking which shows to audition for 
that's a tough one. This this year especially is going to be a tough one. Uh, there are several season auditions I'm going for. Um, really, a lot of it's just shows that I know I want to do. And then sometimes it's if I have a free space and I know I, I like this show ends on Ju- in June and then this next one doesn't run until the end of July. I'm like, oh, I want to do that show because it helps fill that space that I don't want to have just waiting. So really it's it's just starts with what I really want. Because sometimes there's dream roles that I want to go for that are coming in the area. Like right now they're doing, they're about to do auditions for Music Man over at Heart. Oh, such a great and show. Yes. Have you done that? Amazing show. I actually was cast in it as an ensemble member back in Florida, mm-hmm. but I had to take a new job, which made me unable to do the show. Oh, so I got through about yeah. two weeks of rehearsals and had to drop. It's the only show I've actually ever had to drop out of. What'd you get, what'd you get cast as? I was just ensemble. Oh, okay. Ensemble. I think I was one of the main dancer guys, and then I were was, you in the train scene at the beginning. I was. I was oh. in the train scene at the beginning, and I was in the Wells Fargo wagon. Oh, I had Wells one of those Fargo solo lines. Okay, I don't know how much of that we can sing. I actually haven't. Oh, no. re- oh, I haven't oh. done the research <laughs> to know. I should probably do that. What's, no, what's no, the copyright to, on that? No, to John. <laughs> uh, I'm writing this down. Uh, research. How long of shows? How, how long of songs and shows can I sing? <laughs> And if it's if there's no music behind it, can I just you know acapella it the <laughs> whole thing? What if I do it in the wrong key? Does that help? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in Music Man. Um, I was the counter tenor in the quartet. Oh, very nice. Uh, so I, I love sing the quartet really, work. I, I got to do the really high ice cream. Ice and it cream. Always, it, it, it got a laugh every night because everybody thought I was going to be the bass. Yes. Because I was the biggest one. Of, mm-hmm. I was the biggest one of the four of us. Um, and the guy who played bass, uh, his name is Terry. He was like one of the smallest ones. So he did the bass. And I'm like, who's going to do the root? And it was me. And I got, got a laugh every night. That That's was back great. before I worked summer camp mm-hmm. and completely like ruined my voice. So I'm not as oh. much of a tenor as I used to be. I used to be pretty high tenor. I mean, obviously, to be able to do the counter tenor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now I'm more of a baritone bass. Uh, which which is fun to get to know and figure out like what roles mm-hmm. uh, have to relearn your voice in a way. Yeah, kind of because I knew what I, I knew what I really wanted, what I used to really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and but now, now you've had to change yeah. your, your and, view on it. And the and the majority of them actually are like all stuff I'm going to do in 20 years. Yeah, it's like it's like the preacher and Footloose. Yes, but especially only if they bring back the solo in the second yes, act they, that they cut. Right. That right? solo needs so to be angry. in there. It's so good. Um, and then like. And then, like, Tevya. Oh. You know, all those, like, Tevye, older roles. Tevya would be There's so There's a role fun. right there. You got the beard for it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, so let's say you've picked a show. Mm-hmm. How, do you, um, how do you prepare yourself for an audition? <sighs> Auditions are actually my least favorite part of the I think whole every entire acting process. Yeah. I, I hate it. Um, I guess... Everyone has their own little tricks and you know twists and how they do it. I usually just go specifically based. It's gonna be interesting to do season auditions. I've never done a season audition. Yeah, I'm thinking about going with you. Because then you have to really be specific on like you want to pick something that leans towards what you want, but you also want it to be able to show enough that if there's another show in the season that has a wider range, you don't want to just stick to one little thing. Right. So usually I find a song if I'm doing just like a single show audition. I would pick a song that leans towards. Either the style of singing or the actual vocal range and type, like for you know for Music Man, I'm an audition. It's I would probably pick a lower song, but I'd want it quick because he has a lot of very quick, almost almost like speaking rapping parts. Yes, you got trouble and everything. It's very quick with the tongue, and you want to be able to show that you have that dexterity. So 
that's usually what I do. And then I'm actually, I'm a very badly known procrastinator. So I tend to wait until two weeks to a week before the audition. And I learn my song. I memorize it. And then I go in and audition. And uh, as far as monologues go, I haven't had to audition with a monologue for a long time. I haven't done a straight show. But uh, right now, I have a couple prepared specifically from the Fantastics because I have to do six in that. So uh, I'm using those as my monologues right now. Some of them are real deep and intense. And they'll work well for showing some variety. Right. I'm actually thinking about going out there with you for that season audition. You uh, there's, do a, it. there's a couple things out of heart this year that I, I kind of want to do. Got good shows coming so, up. Good straight shows, too. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I'm also a very bad procrastinator. Yeah. Do you want to know, uh, do you want to know when I picked my song for Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I'm going to go with the day before. Oh, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I, auditioned on, I auditioned on Sunday and I picked my song on Friday. Oh, I've done and, that. and the reason why is because, and I'm going to, I'm going to, Follow up this little story. Because I auditioned for Footloose with my go-to song. I butchered it. I did very oh, poorly on it no. because I couldn't find my old sheet music. So I found new sheet music, which was a key higher. Oh, no. And I was nervous. And I just, it was the first time I auditioned for Jerry. And so I was just like, ah. And so I couldn't hit the high note. And I was like so under it. And I was just like, ah. Oh. Oh, I really so hate it. And so, but I was like, I don't want to audition with the same song for Jerry. Mm-hmm. So I had to pick something different. And so I picked... Um, Pick something from the producers. It is not in my head right now. Um, but Very yeah, nice. that's, I auditioned with that. Um, yeah, that's the other thing is figuring out you want to, if you're auditioning for a director you've already auditioned for, yeah. always picking something different that shows a different style. So even maybe for their next season, mm-hmm. if they're thinking, who are we going to do? What are, what are we going to do? I only know Dylan sings like this. Yeah. So pick something different so they see that and go, oh, you could also perform this, or you could sing in this show. So that's that's another aspect of picking the audition, which is why it's such a such a pain. Do you have a do you have a problem finding like a song that meets the uh, style of the show? Because that's always my biggest thing. Because you know a lot of them yeah. are like mm-hmm. uh, bring thirty two bars, sixteen bars of something in the style of the show. I had yeah. such a hard time doing that for Fantastics. It's it's tough. It's become easier the more that I've like I said I, I listen and learn shows over and over so it's become a lot easier with me like comparing styles and matching styles or like sometimes I won't do it like completely in the style but I'll pick a song that has similarities so you know like if it's a a rock show I won't necessarily come out with a rock song but like you know you could do a like a country pop song mm-hmm. or something that has the range you're looking for. And then if you can just change that song to match, like if they want a little grit show, you can do some grit just in a spot. So it's a lot of that when I, when I'm trying to find styles. Right. So you did, you did hands on a hard body. I did. At ACT. What did you audition with? Oh, wow. What did I audition with for hands on a hard body? That's like six months ago. So if you don't understand, if you don't remember, it was further than that. You, it was probably April. Yeah. April last year. So a long time ago. You know, that's a really good question. I'm pretty sure I stuck with, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I auditioned for that show Do you with. remember what you auditioned with for Footloose? Footloose? Which is even I'm, further what, further. Oh, back, even but. further back. I'm pretty sure for Footloose, I did, um, <laughs> I think I actually did 76 trombones. Which had nothing to do with getting the role. I just, it was, I think it was last minute decision. I just had a song that I mm-hmm. knew and 76 trombones or so. Yeah. You know, everyone kind of knows it to a degree, even if you don't have the line, the, yeah. you know, the words perfect, you know, the rhythm and how it goes. Yeah. So I, 
I think I ended up coming out with that. I, I know I've done that once or twice this past year doing auditions. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't, like every once in a while I'll find something that just strikes my fancy that I'll go for that's a, a higher song, but no. Right. So I have this philosophy when it comes to auditioning that it, it makes me feel a little bit easier, like at ease when I go into mm-hmm. auditions. And it's probably a horrible philosophy. I'm sure some directors, when they hear this, are going to be like, that's terrible. I want to be on this podcast so I can tell how terrible of an idea this is. But I, when I go into audition, I think of it as I'm auditioning to get to the callback. Mm-hmm. I'm not auditioning for the show. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I mean, a smart I, I, mean, way to think I am. I yeah. am. But like, um, I do. I go in, I think, especially if it's if it's a show that you know a ton of people have auditioned for. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Wizard of Oz, like 80 people came out to audition yeah. for that. I mean, At that point, you're just 80, trying to make it to round two so a- that you can show off what you really got. Right. Not 80 adults, obviously, but like 40 adults, 30 mm-hmm. adults. And I, just needed, yeah. and I just needed to make it to callbacks. Mm-hmm. So I walked into that room thinking, I just need to make it to callbacks. If I can make it yeah. to callbacks, that's mm-hmm. when I can really show what I'm about. Oh, yeah. And it worked for Wizard of Oz. It didn't work for Fantastics because there were no callbacks for Fantastics. <laughs> there were none. So sometimes, Almost. like, so maybe maybe I'm changing my philosophy of if it's a huge audition, mm-hmm. then go just get a callback. But, but if it's if, smaller, yeah, maybe go for the show. Maybe yeah. Run freedom run. That's run, what I freedom run for, for uh, from you're in town. Oh god, that was gonna bother me. Yeah, that's what I auditioned <laughs> for Footloose right. because it was nice. You know, it's got some yeah. higher parts, and I think I might I have also done that. that for Hands on a Hard Body because it had similar, you know country-ish twang to it with that gospel behind it. Yeah, I need to listen to You're in Town. Oh. I mean, the uh, the teen production class at Astro so Community Theater good. is doing it right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, I want to see that. that um, yeah, it's got some great uh, teen actors who are hopefully making all this podcast at, at, at one point or another. But yeah, it's a great cast. Um, that show is just so good. And it's such a, a weird one that I thought was super obscure, but it turns out a lot of people know about it. Yeah. I saw it for the first time like Five or six years ago at a high school back in Florida, I had friends that I had graduated, but they were still there, and I went and watched right. it. And it was – it's a pretty funny show. That that Bobby, that's a dream role right there. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that Western Carolina did it this past, like, fall, and our good friend Sarah yes, Fowler played Sarah piano. Sarah Fowler for was the pianist for that. Yes, I, I actually – my friend Georgia, who played in Mamma Mia with me as the daughter of Donna. I can't remember her name. But she – was the uh, she was she was someone in it? I don't I don't remember if she was the main part or just ensemble, but I know she was in it with Sarah. So all right, so um, I just have a couple a couple more things that I want to talk to you about. Um, so let's say a teenager or even like somebody who's like twenty or whatever uh, has seen theater and is now like, hey, I really want to do this. And they come and ask you, what, what is your advice for this? What advice would you give them any part of theater? I'd say do it. First off, that I would immediately say, you don't want to wait and decide against it. Just be like, a lot of people are very nervous about it, and they're like, I don't know. Should I? I don't. It, it seems like it's so out of my comfort zone. And it might be. But the experience that you get from it may – even just bonding with people. The connections I've made in theater, I still have almost all of them from Florida now. Still keep up with people on Facebook and social media. And I've made great new friends here all through theater. It's a very tight-knit community and everyone looks out for each other. So if nothing else, you'll get that out of it. If you go there and you decide, oh, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But 
you just have to go in and it's complete. My advice is it's completely normal to get the jitters and feel nervous. It took me years to get rid of that feeling before an audition or before going on stage. It just comes over time, but it's completely normal to go in and be like, oh, oh no, what's going to happen? And you just got to use it. You got to harness that and, and go for it. I actually just had a woman at a at an Australia Day party with my boss whose wife is from Australia. And there was a lady there. Her name's Amy. She wants to go out for little women. She's never acted nice. in her whole life and was like, should I do it? I'm like, absolutely. You don't want to look back in five years and go, oh, mm-hmm. What if I just had? What if I had that experience? I think it's just something everyone should do at least once in their life to just get a feel for it. And if nothing else, to learn to respect the actors that are up there doing it Absolutely. constantly because it's it's a lot more work than you think it is. Yeah. It comes off as all smooth and polished and look at us. This is just what I do. But there's a whole lot of work that gets you to that point. And that's the great thing about community theater, I think. I think it's one of the things that I really enjoy working at Astro Community Theater because the first show I stage managed there – uh, which was really only the th- third or fourth show I'd av- actually ever stage managed. Um, the like lead actor, like f- mid forties, never been on stage before, ever. And now he's like he's done two or three. Like he did a show at Montford. He did a show down thirty five below. He's auditioning for stuff, and it's just because uh, he was he was in he was in choir. And he just went to go. He just went and did it. I also tell a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't think I can get up there and say those lines. I, I was like, you'd be surprised. I, I, my philosophy is everybody can everybody can do theater. Everybody can do um, something in theater, even right, if you, you don't. Go, if you're really afraid and you want to do backstage, absolutely, that's just I, as important as the people on stage. I always need crew members. Crew Jill members, always needs we crew always members. Always need crew members. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe except for uh, the show we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Um, so, yeah, let's actually just go into that. So, uh, tell us about what you have coming up. I am actually currently. We are about to go into Tech Week. Actually, starting tomorrow of the Fantastics at uh, Asheville Community Theater. We open on the 7th, which is this coming Friday. And then we run all the way until the end of February. I think our last show is on like the 28th or 29th, something like that. Um, I am I am the part of El Gallo, the narrator and bandit for the show. Right. Do you know what El Gallo stands for? What, what, that, oh. what that translates into English is? Actually, I don't. It's the rooster. Really? Yeah. Well, I only know that because I looked it up earlier because I was at a thing at, <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> at, at UNCA or at, uh, at ACT. Um, so that for actually the, makes sense. It, it's very fitting for the character. Right. And so the um, this is – the Fantastic itself has a really, really long history. Mm-hmm. It's like the longest-running musical in off-Broadway – like history. Yeah, for ran, 40 plus years. Yeah, and then they went off for like three years and then they came back mm-hmm. and did another stint off Broadway. And I, I think when I was researching for auditions, mm-hmm. um, I read some, they've done something like 17,000 performances. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Even in the list now of longest running shows, it was the longest running off Broadway. It's still, I think, like 12th out of all the shows ever. Yeah. So, like, you know, Lion King's up there and Phantom those, and Cats, that all beat it. But yeah. as far as, like, an off-Broadway show, it, it it put up a good fight. And it's, I can see why. It's a great show with, right. like, really intense music, really beautiful writing. A lot of the writing's done, like, poetry. And that's a very interesting aspect to try to work on because you don't want to act it like it's poetry right you want it to be lines but it's all you know some of them are in verse so you actually have to find a way to 
change it and put just the right pauses so that it doesn't feel like it's the month of May. I'm having a great day. You don't yeah. want to just yeah, yeah. you know chant it out. You want to actually put emotion behind it and do it. And that's yeah. it's a fun aspect of working on it. Yeah. And so that's you have that coming up. So that opens next Friday. It opens on what the seventh. Yeah, the seventh, February seventh. Because uh, there's no telling when this podcast is coming out. Yeah. Hopefully, it's bef- my my goal is to do it before opening night or on opening night. Nice. Um, and then you have auditions like two days later for the uh, heart. Yes, season the auditions. ninth season auditions for the heart are ninth. I'm literally going to finish the show. We're going to do a talk back on Sunday afternoon, right after the show. And then I'm going to book it over to the theater in Waynesville yeah. and uh, do that season audition. Right, and uh, and then and we talked. You you touched on a little bit about your long term goals in theater. You want to yes. You you want to be on Broadway. You want to go to New York. You want to you want to become part I of the do. Equity National Tour. Stuff I do. Like that. I'd like to do. I've thought of all acting. Like I definitely I would do TV or movies. But like my heart has always been in the theater. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much more excitement in the thrill of what can go wrong what and what can go right. There's just so much that live theater has to offer, and it's such an overlooked art form sometimes. It's come out a lot more in the past couple of years. It's really come to the forefront more, especially with stuff like Hamilton, which yeah. is the best-selling uh, soundtrack cast album of all time, six times platinum. Stuff like that that have now, and it's gotten mainstream with, you know, with the, uh, the remix that he made. Um, yeah, that album. So like stuff like that, where he brings in like professional singers and people that are like very well known, like Common and people like that, and have them perform on it because shows are getting more mainstream and getting more recognition for the art form that they are, and it's pretty great. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius, <sighs> and so is Alex Lackmore. Yes, uh, who like wrote the music for it mm-hmm. and the orchestration. Um, I don't think people bring up his name enough when, no. when they talk about he deserves like, Hamilton. he does more recognition than he gets. Um, but did you see that uh, Lin Manuel said that the musical uh-huh. movie of it uh-huh. is going to come out earlier than most people think uh, yes. this summer? Um, his first show that he did in the, in the Heights, Heights is mm-hmm. coming out to theaters. Um, I can do an entire podcast on what I feel. On how I feel about um, <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda, Lin Manuel. If for some odd reason you hear this podcast, please um, get in touch. Please get in touch with me. We'd have you on it, and he I will would. have you He'd on do it. it. Um, <laughs> we could do it over the you know over the phone, or I'm I, you know I will get, fly Allegiant up to New York City, <laughs> you find you in New York City. Um, do you know that movie, the Hamilton movie, is actually going to be with the full original Broadway yes, cast? Yes, yes, and that's amazing. I I am so excited. That is amazing. He said in an interview, he's like everyone that saw the original cast kind of has this little chip on their shoulder like oh well I saw it with the original cast he's like and we're going to take that away yeah. he's like everyone's going to see it with the original right. cast and I, yeah, I don't want to get too uh, too deep into like my different philosophies on Lin-Manuel because I literally may do a podcast on just Lin-Manuel do it but um, this whole idea of like you know ticket prices are s- super expensive I saw I was uh, 10th row in the orchestra when I saw him in New York I'm not going to say how much I pay for those tickets <laughs> but um, I, I feel say like, too much I feel like yeah <laughs> I f- no actually it no? was worth it oh well I it mean, was obviously absolutely worth it, worth it. Um, but I think the one person who's the most angriest about the price of the tickets is Lynn Manuel. Oh yeah. If it was up to him, he'd definitely knock all those prices down significantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think this is going to be, cause this is my first podcast and I feel like everybody has like 
like a single question that they like to ask everybody. And I think mine, and people usually do at the beginning. I think I'm going to do it at the end. And I think this is going to be the question I ask everybody. Okay, let's hear it. Why do you do theater? Wow. That's a, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, I guess the best way I could describe it is the way I feel when I'm doing theater and the way that I reach other people. There's, there's times that I've, you know, I, I've had like strangers in the community come up and say, you were in that show. It was so amazing. I loved it. It was my, my daughter loved it or my son loved it. My child just thought it was amazing. And there's just, there's no feeling like knowing that you've, you've touched someone enough to the point where in a completely random setting, like the grocery store, they were so affected that they wanted to come up and talk to you about it. Or, or like directly after a show when you come out and you see people in the audience crying. Like when I did Quasimodo in Hunchback, at the end when I screamed and just sobbed over her, her body in my arms, every night I could see people even on the stage in the show crying. And just knowing that you can have such a powerful effect on people, it's a really warming feeling. It like really makes me happy like down in my heart. And to be on stage, there's everyone says like, well, you know, scuba divers like the water's my home and I love being in the sky. I'm a pilot, but like being on stage, it it fulfills all of like the emotional and you know, like feelings inside me that that I need justified and I need to enjoy and that like come out of me when I'm doing acting and it's just I don't know. It's 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 life changing for me. Just being on stage really warms my soul. It's the best way to say it. It warms my soul. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. And it really is. The stage is a home, mm-hmm. um, and not even just because you spend all your time there when you're in rehearsals. <laughs> Which, it, there's in a, that case, it's also a home. <laughs> there's a feeling you get when you're on stage mm-hmm. with people you've gotten to know over the last, you know, yeah. 4 to 8 weeks, however long yeah. the rehearsal process is. And like you can really feel it like on the last show, yeah. after your final bows or you're in that last moment, you're doing a song and you all kind of look at each other and you just feel like like you don't want it to end, you know it has to, but it also will never end. You'll always have those people as part of your your tribe, your family, your your folks. But sometimes there is a beauty in mm-hmm. the ending of a show. Oh yeah. Because sometimes that last performance is everything. Because you know that that show is never going to be done the same way. Exactly. I've done like like we said with Wizard of Oz. I said I've done them. Mm-hmm. Each show is completely different and has completely different memories and different feelings and was done completely differently. And that's that's the beauty of it because you'll never ever do it the same way, even if you do the same exact show. Yeah. And that's that's an awesome thing about theater. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And again, we could probably go another hour that's just another, on that That's a whole other podcast. And we, may, and we may do that. I may have Dylan back on. Man, this has been so fun. Ooh, this has been a great time. I, obviously, yeah. you and I typically just talk about theater when we yeah. get together. But it's fun to just like sit down and, and you know, get, to more, get to know more about. Because typically our conversations are about theater are five minutes during our five-minute breaks. Mm-hmm. Or, just or like quick. in the dressing room getting ready or stuff like yeah, that. It's nice to be able to like sit down and really yeah, so thanks make for, it apart and get to the nitty. Yeah, so thanks.
thanks for being on the first podcast of Standby Go. I'm quite honored. Thank um, you for bringing me on. Absolutely, and I I definitely see you know that I can uh, definitely see myself asking you back on to talk about like different different you know I parts of theater and stuff yeah, like that. Feel free. I'd love, I only, I'd love I to only come back. Down, do yeah, whatever you need. I only wrote down a few questions. That's, that um, caught us going for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, that was it. That was our first podcast of Standby Go. Um, and that's pretty much what it's going to be. It's just going to be me and my friends or me and people that I meet um, doing theater around town that I find interesting to come on and just have a conversation uh, for about an hour um, to talk about theater in our life and how theater affects our life. Um, and so this podcast uh, is definitely going out on Spotify and hopefully um, the the podcast through Apple um, and hopefully uh, Google play as well. So um, after the first one kind of goes out, so that's where you can look for it. Another place that you can look for it is I will always put it on my Facebook page. I just started a Facebook page for John O'Neill theater. Um, that's all you have to look. That's all you have to look uh, type in, in the search bar is John O'Neill theater. So join me next time. My next podcast will probably come out um, in a month. Uh, like I said, on my intro that I'm going to hopefully get one out once a month and then, down to twice a month and then once weekly if I have enough friends out there who want to do it. If you want to be on the podcast, feel free to uh, send me a message on Facebook, either to my personal Facebook if we're friends or to the John O'Neill uh, Facebook page. Please make sure you uh, like and follow that page so you can see every time that I put something up. Um, you can also find things like shows I'm going to do or auditions around town because I do think what I'm going to do is put stuff for stuff I'm not even involved in just so people who are friends with me and in the area can find out what to do. Um, if they have a Friday, Saturday or Sunday matinee open and they want to go see live theater. So, uh, please come back next time. I don't know who's going to be on it next time. Um, but please make sure you keep coming and listening to standby go.